You're back where you belong, in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the killer bees who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. He's Blank on Branham. A few textures and a few people on Twitter, too. Uh, draft a tight end like Jatavian Sanders from uh, Texas. He was a... Um, Really good, really, really good player for Texas. Uh, apparently has a second-round grade. Uh, I'll need to look into that. Kate Stover from Ohio State, like, is another potential draft guy who can get in the middle rounds, uh, who played with Stroud. Stroud would give you pretty good intel there. Uh, this one says draft to Sanders. They're developing faster like Laporta, Kincaid. Could have had Laporta. I'm not going to say how okay. you could have had Laporta right. and Gibbs. I'm not going to say how you could have had those guys, uh, but they could have had those guys. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. So Blankers has a... Uh, we need it. We need to figure out like a segment name for this when somebody irritates blankers. Like a, I, I wouldn't call it wet blanket because it's not really wet blanketing it. You're just kind of irritated by somebody's take. Uh, John Heyman, who is gross a gross point blank. What's that? Gross point blank. I like that. That's yeah. good. That's really good. Would you say it grinds Joel's gears? Mm, that's not bad. It doesn't have the alliteration that I wanted or use the blank name in the way that I wanted, but it's solid. That's not, that's up there. I think it's on the table. Whenever we have a show meeting, uh, which we always have, uh, we'll, we'll we'll workshop Kick this out. Yeah, well, the, both of those are very good options, though. Uh, but John Heyman didn't vote for Wagner and won't because he's pro-starter, not reliever. He didn't want to be the voter who cost him the chance to get in, though, and thinks he's top 10 all time, but won't vote uh, vote for him. Why, uh, why do you dislike this take from John Heyman? Because this is just... Dumb. This is what we were talking about in terms of John Heyman, and we've had you on the show before, and we've given you more chances than most, even though sometimes you have some really outlandish ways of thinking and looking at things, mostly with Astros' current players. But when you look at this and say, you think he's top 10 all time. You think he's one of the best 10 relievers of all time, but you're saying, but he's not in the upper 1%, and really it's not even that. I didn't want to be the bad guy that keeps him out, but I didn't vote for him this time around because I believe more in starters. Okay, personal opinion does not play into factual statistical information that shows you how dominant a pitcher Billy Wagner was. Whether you like him or dislike him, whether you bring in the cheating because you hate the Astros and he was an Astro and that bothers you, or your Yankees versus Mets and he goes off on part of this part of this BS about when he played for the Mets too. Look at the stats, John. Look at what he produced. Look at where he sits. It's real close to Mariano Rivera. Saves? Okay, Rivera. But when you look at the overall dominance of Billy Wagner and the fact that the only reason you aren't voting for him is because you're pro starter like Mark Burley, who you're very much in love with during this article, but you're not going to pick a guy that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But gee golly whiz, I hope he gets in. You are the exact reason why there are so many problems with the voting for Hall of Fame because you're not looking at just the body of work, not your personal bias. That was great. That was <laughs> that was really good. What what I find uh, interesting in this story too, the headline of his story is glad my vote didn't keep Billy Wagner out of the Hall of Fame. Like he's taking solace in the fact that his one vote wasn't what kept him out, but it was five, like it was you and then four others that probably had the same logic. The other part that you brought up too, like I'm not he says in this story I'm not anti-reliever, I'm pro starter. Yeah. You brought up the pro starter thing. 
you're not picking or choosing. Like, I understand that you have an X amount of votes that you can vote in each year, but no one, like, maxes out. So you're not choosing one or the other. This isn't a Billy Wagner versus some random starting pitcher dilemma. Mark Burley. He's, he's big on Mark Burley. But it shouldn't. it's not an either-or. Right. Like, you, can put a, you can vote for both of them if you want. Right. The question should never be, is it player A or is it player B? The question should always be, is player A worthy of being a Hall of Fame whenever you stack up his credentials with other players? I think relative to the position. I, that's personally what I think of Hall of Fame. Like, if you're trying to put in the top ten at every single position, why would you ever compare a closer to a second baseman? Why would you compare right. a closer to a starting pitcher? It's relative to their position. Like, I saw, like, the Todd Helton thing. Like, he played half his games at Coors, and it, it helped him but tremendously. Go look at his splits. People were comparing him to, like, outfielders that mm-hmm. had the same numbers as Todd Helton's road splits. Why would you compare, why would you compare a first baseman to a center fielder? They, it should be relative to the position. So my biggest beef with Heyman, and there's a lot of beef here and you summed it up very nicely is the I'm not anti-reliever on pro starter you should be both you should be looking to see how they compare and they stack up to their position let's also because I brought up some of these stats earlier when you and I were talking about Billy let's just do this then let's just be comparing the position of pitcher let's take wins out of it let's take saves out of it let's just talk about the dominance of a left-handed pitcher his strikeout rate the average against and all those key statistics that showed you how dominant Billy Wagner was whether he was a starter or a reliever or your pro starter or anti-reliever or you're just somewhere in the pro pitcher department, you look at his stats, how do you argue with how dominant he was and the numbers that he put up and where he ranks all time? He brought up some discombobulated BS about 1.9% is all that should be in the Hall of Fame, the 1.9% best players of all time. You just put him in your top 10. If you're in the top 10, that's pretty close to the one point whatever percent of the top 10. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder where he stacked. He said top ten. I, I think that's actually like. I think that's disingenuous to Billy Wagner because I, I. I think he's better than top ten at the closer position. Like I, I would. I'd have him pretty close to Mariano. Like you look at some like ERA, like some of the advanced numbers, and like I like stats. I don't like talking stats on the radio because I think it's incredibly boring, and I think we lose listeners if we start going down this avenue of advanced numbers. But some of the advanced numbers have Billy Wagner is like right next to Mariano Rivera as the greatest relief pitchers of all time, of all time. So like saying he's top 10, I think is a bad take. He's top five. He's probably top three. I'm trying to take my Houston glasses off mm-hmm. here. Uh, I would say he's top three. I don't think there's an argument that he's not in the top five. So yeah, Heyman, Heyman makes the list for this one. And uh, just asinine, man. <laughs> I mean, and the other thing that I don't understand are the voters that had a vote last year and voted for him and decided this year he you had a vote and you decided against him like what changed in, in a year's time did he blow a couple of saves did he do something to piss you off in the media or something but how in the world can you vote for him last year and not vote for him this year and there were no. two such cases I looked at one of them and I don't know how he has a vote anyway <laughs> he covers all Canadian sports I think and, and he was more focused on football from the tweets and the posts that he was making and I'm going and you let this guy have a vote, and last last year he voted for him. This year, for some reason, he voted against him. What are we doing? So he voted for him last year and voted against yes. him this year? He just didn't vote for him this year. That's 
that's weird. Stupid. Like, it's usually the other way around. Like, I, I, I think it's silly how the Major League Baseball tries to, like, tier their Hall of Famers based on what ballot they get in. It's like first ballot Hall of Famer is way better than a sixth ballot Hall of Famer. So that's, I believe that's their way of trying to tier the greatness of the all-time greats is, oh, this guy's a first-time, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. He's in the elite of the elite. This guy's a Hall of Famer, but he's a seventh ballot Hall of Famer, so he's not up in that category. I think that that's stupid. I think it's a terrible way to do things. Uh, I believe that it's kind of like, I, I, it's binary to me. It's kind of, are you pregnant or are you not pregnant? Are you a Hall of Famer or right. are you not a Hall of Famer? To it's me, it's a yes, dry. no question. It should never change. It's cut and dried. And like I said, if you take out some of the the sexiest stats for the Hall of Fame, like saves, all-time save leaders, or if you take out wins, because 300 wins is such a big deal, and just look at how he ranks all-time, and not just lefties, all pitchers, yeah. in terms of, Strikeout rate, average against, all the different key stats when you start diving a little deeper and you go, dude, it's a Hall of Famer. How do you argue that? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's silly. Um, zero four two three. How many Omo saves uh, did Wax have? That's a little Will Anderson thing there. Uh, two nine. Here's some names for what we could call this segment. Two nine. And I mean, this is your segment, so you should be able to pick this here, Blinkers. Two nine two zero. Blanks blaring bullets. Mm-hmm. Okay, blanks bullets. I don't mind. Uh, Ar Platinum. What's got blank cranked? <laughs> a little rhyming What's there. Up, they are. It's a little rhyming. The blank check. Not too bad, not too bad. Yeah. What the blank? Not bad. Not bad. All right, what's grinding Blanker's gears? What do you think of that one? It's okay. The blank check? Did we already say that one? Yep. Uh, he said, name it Wet Branham. That's that's mean. Uh, blank Anger, says another one. Fill in the blank. What do you want to call it? What do you want to call it? I don't care. No, no you, should, you should need to name this. This is this is yours. This well, is your baby. Well, we'll get Joe involved in it. When, nah, uh, don't, don't let Joe make decisions. Joe no, never makes good we're decisions. A group, we're, we're a team here. I mean, we're, like you said, when we, we kick things around, we'll kick it around. Yeah, but you wouldn't allow Joe or I to name your kid, name your baby. This is your baby. This is your show baby. This is your show baby. segment in a radio This show. is your show baby. I want, the, I want you to love this segment. That I, I, I'd like it to be every day. Um, you name this say, this segment and love it like you love your children. See, I had said, and love I, it like you love Maddie. Are you, throwing and in, are you throwing in gross point blank? You pick. All right, but I threw that in there. I think it's that, a good one. Gross point blank. Why don't we? Can we do a, the poll on which other ones do you think? Gross point blank. All right, let's have that one. What's on there. grinding? Blank, would you say grinding blanks gears? I'll uh, I'll find the the official way that they said it. Is right. that, those are the two that you like the best. We get we get one more. Fill in the blank. Eh, I don't feel like that really like, like a, a like really. There's no passion, or passion yeah. for it. Oh. Uh, so you said gross point blank was the other one that you said. Yep, yep. I forgot what was the other one you said. What's was, grinding blank? That was years? Brian's. I think. What's bl- grinding? Are those the two years? that you like the best? Those are pretty good. All yeah. right, let's go with those two, and then we'll, you want the listeners to decide. Sure. All right. All right. So gross point blank, what's grinding blank gears? We'll, we'll get it posted on the... Uh, or point blank. What's gross point blank and what's grinding blank's gears? Oh, there you go. All right. So or we'll, you can just we'll, shorten up because what well, we used to do point blank on uh, sports map. So you want to do point blank or gross point blank? Let's do point blank. Okay. And then yeah. what's grinding blank's gears? Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll post that on the social and, and figure it out here in the next hour or so. 713-780-ESPN, uh, HRP listener line. It's mock draft season. Yesterday we did uh, the first one from Mel Kuyper. Let's do uh, Bucky Brooks, our good friend Bucky Brooks. Actually, he's Lance's good friend. He's not our good friend. We've never met him. Uh, but who does he have the Texans picking? And then we're going to put our feet in Nick Casario's tiny shoes and we're going to make the pick for Casario. It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, a word from my friend Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograft Procedure. If you don't know what it is, but you're losing your hair, if you already lost it, 
You don't think there's any way to get it back? You need to know what the neograft procedure is. That's why you go see my friend, Doc Linville, because he's going to explain it to you with his staff. They're going to let you know how it works, and you're going to figure out in short time, this is a real solution to pattern baldness that you maybe have never considered previously, and now maybe you should. And because you're listening to ESPN 97.5 and you're listening to us, you have a better chance to get all the information you need because there's absolutely no charge if you go to 975hair.com and set up an appointment. You get to talk with Doc and his staff. You get to ask questions. They're going to give you answers and tell you how it all works and and what's the science behind it. I can give you the bullet points, and that is that basically you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head. But if you go to the Neograft procedure, what what Doc is going to do, take some of that hair from the sides and the back of your head that you're never going to lose and put it in places that you've already lost hair so that you have new hair growth and you have where you can see the actual follicles growing and you're going to have better coverage. And it's going to give you more self-confidence and a better appearance. It's fantastic. Doc told me 95 to 99% of those follicles that he moves, they're going to stay and grow and, of course, be with you for the long haul. So, therefore, that's a pretty good percentage to make you feel even better about going through with the procedure. But don't don't take it from me. Go ask all the questions and take it from me. No signing on the dotted line, no money out of pocket, no commitment, just getting answers and finding out if that's the solution to your hair loss problems. I did it. I could not be happier with it. It's a fantastically easy procedure, and the results are almost instant. In six to nine months, you see all of the results. Check them out today. Go to 975hair.com. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. We're your daddy. You was a toilet baby. Tiff just popped down like a little old turd, just right down in a bowl. Hey, Houston, you're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. This is what the uh, the listeners wanted. He he's blank on Branham. A lot of mock draft season. It's a little different this year. A little different this year. Remember, we're giving away some uh, concert tickets a little bit later on in the show. So you want to you want to hang tight, listen to the Killer Bees as you always do, and you you have a chance to win some concert tickets a little bit later. Uh, we did uh, Mel Kuyper's yesterday. What we like to do here is we, we take a look with the Texans, what the uh, mocker has the Texans doing. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll take a look at the next two picks right after the Texan selection. We put our feet, our big, large feet, in Nick Casario's tiny shoes. Uh, Bucky Brooks, friend of, I'm assuming that he's friends with Lance Erline. I don't know that. They well, they, just, don't they do a podcast together? Do they? I think so. Really? Yeah. Lance has time for podcasts? I think Lance and Bucky do a podcast. I together. had no idea. That's cool. I'd like to, I'm, I don't know if I'll listen to it, but it sounds very good. <laughs> But, <laughs> well, honesty. Well, I, mean, I don't know how I'm going to carve out the time. It's Brutal not that honesty. I have. You're a lot of time in the car. I, 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 yeah, that's true. It, it is It is usually occupied by things I already listen to. But eh, maybe I can carve out some time. We'll see. Um, but anyways, Bucky Brooks, I'm assuming they're friends because they're NFL.com colleagues. Now, maybe they hate each other. Like I, People hate their co-workers all the time. But Bucky Brooks, here's his mock. He has Caleb Williams at number one, Drake May at number two, Jaden Daniels at number three. So... We've seen a lot of mocks lately with quarterback, quarterback, quarterback being the first three picks. Marvin Harrison, the fourth player taken to Arizona. I'd be shocked if he's not the first non-quarterback taken. Another Brock Bowers at number five. So the idea of the Texans selecting Brock Bowers, uh, you're probably looking at a Will Anderson type of draft day trade to do that. Roma Dunze, uh, number six. He has the offensive tackle from Penn State. No idea how to say his name. I'll try, though. Alamuwe Fashunu. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure I got it right. Uh, he's he's going number seven to Tennessee. Dallas Shuna? Turner. I think I got that one right. Turner. Uh, he's going number eight to Atlanta. Latua Latu, number nine to Chicago, and then Joe Alt, the uh, big offensive tackle to Notre Dame. So that's the top 10, only two defensive players. And then scroll down to the Houston Texans where they select offensive lineman from Washington, Troy Fatunu, I think. Um, they list him as an offensive lineman. They, when you do the NFL.com, you can actually just click on the name and it's Lance Zerline's scouting report, our very own Lance Zerline. Now, he played more tackle at college than guard, but everybody's project, uh, projecting him to be a guard at the next level. NFL, uh, NFC National Scout. He comes from a good program. He's a really hard-nosed player who can take coaching. Loved the makeup. Uh, Lance called him kind of a um, like a brute force type of guy, uh, where sometimes he can get away from his fundamentals and like be brawling and stuff like that. But probably a guard at the next level, not a tackle. What would you think of the idea of Troy Fatunu, 100% sure that I said his name right, as a guard at number 23 for the Houston Texans? I don't mind it at all because he has versatility. That's something that's going to be key because we just talked about, especially for the upcoming season, but then as we go forward, the ability to play multiple positions is big. Look, we've seen what's happened with Titus Howard. We see Juice Scruggs to play two positions. It's an added value to any offensive line and any offensive line room that you're going into. So I think that if you're looking for depth, if you're looking for more talent, and you're looking for a guy that can be moved around if necessary to basically kind of put a Band-Aid on things and still be okay, I like the opportunity to get a guy like that for your offensive line. Yeah, I see. This is something we talked about at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is this narrative going out there that the Texans, because they've spent money on offensive line and they've already spent draft capital on offensive line, that they should stop spending money and draft capital on offensive line. I think that's flawed logic. Uh, you should always be looking to do what is in the best interest of your team, no matter what your recent decisions were. Like if C.J. Stroud, uh, he, he's not, but if C.J. Stroud was a bust, should you stop trying to aggressively attack the quarterback position? No, it's stupid. It's flawed logic. In fact, we've seen it in Houston Texans history with Brock Osweiler. They spent a lot of money, overpaid for Brock Osweiler, realized they screwed up, attached a third rounder to his name just to get him out of town, and in that very next draft, they selected Deshaun Watson. You've also seen it in the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts. When you have everything else, you start making trades and trying to bring in veterans and bring in veteran after veteran. When the veterans don't work out, then you trade up to get the highest first-round pick you can to get Richardson. Yeah, I, I just think that's flawed. Because of the actions of the past, we need that to determine the actions of our future. No, you your decisions on how to help the team should be where your feet are right now going forward. And if you have to admit a screw-up along the way, cool. Like, I appreciate that. It's what the Niners did with Trey Lance. Like, the Niners, like, traded all this draft capital for Trey Lance. They found Brock Purdy, and then they traded Trey Lance for pennies on the dollar for what they acquired him for. Because you do not get pot committed in the NFL. You screw up. You screw up. You admit the screw-up, and then you do what's in the best interest of your team going forward. So I have no problem taking a guy who I would expect to be my starting left guard. You would move Juice over to center. Maybe this is a way to improve your run game. Even if he's not your starter, he's at least competing uh, with Kenyon Green. And if Kenyon Green beats out a first-round talent, cool. That means Kenyon Green's probably all right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I have no problem with with this this idea. Now, the next two players, as we do our exercise here, uh, Dallas, picking at number 24, they have them selecting an offense. 
offensive tackle, Tyler uh, Guyton, um, which, you know, I'm not a huge fan of tackle. I know I just went on that whole spill, but the Texans do have, I think, two good tackles in Laramie Tunzel and Titus Howard. They need to stop playing him out of position. And then they have the Packers, who are at number 25, taking Alabama corner Kool-Aid McKinstry. So you're in Casario's shoes at number 23. You have an option of three guys, Troy Fatuno, uh, the guard at the next level at Washington, Tyler Guyton, who's a tackle at Oklahoma, and Kool-Aid McKinstry, the corner out of Alabama. You're in the shoes of Casario. What is the choice at number 23? Well, I, I honestly, I think that because there's so many, there's not as many question marks on the offensive line as there is with what Stevie Nelson's going to do and what happens defensively. I actually like the fact that you get another young dynamic corner in Kool-Aid McKinstry to put on the opposite side of Stingley. And now you have your, basically your corners of the future and they're in place and you don't have to worry about Stevie Nelson on the last year of his deal or year-to-year deals or all those other things of trying to find another Stevie Nelson out there. I actually, as much as I like versatility at offensive line, I think you have a lot of that already and you're still waiting on a guy that was a first-round pick. I'm going to go with Kool-Aid and I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm gonna think that they're gonna be a better overall football team because of it. Yeah, this is this is a this one's a fun exercise to me. Like th- this one, you actually have to make a decision. I think it was the one yesterday where you was like two tackles right after. Right. It's like okay, you're not gonna draft tackles. This one, you have a legit conversation, and it might it might be determined before you ever get to number twenty three. It might be determined way before you ever get to draft season. It might be way before uh, the the first round of the draft kicks off because it might come down to what you do with Stephen Nelson. Like, Steven Nelson, 31 years old. If you bring back Steven Nelson, I think you lean the offensive sure. guard here. Because now you're looking at a starter as opposed to a guy who's probably going to be your third boundary corner and not a starter immediately. And I, I like to get starters no matter where you're picking in the first round. But if you move on from Steven Nelson and you don't have, like, a shoe-in starter opposite of Derek Stingler, or Derek Stingley is a boundary corner opposite of him, I flip it. Now I'm going Kool-Aid McKinstry. I'm getting a rookie corner alongside, and I know Stingley's only his, only his third year, still very young, but he is matured. Not, not so, uh, matured's the wrong word. He has developed so much in his game where I have confidence in him extremely to be my top corner. I have no problem with him of my two starting corners, even though he's still very young, being the oldest guy of that duo. So if they don't sign Steven Nelson, resign Steven Nelson, give me Kool-Aid McKinstry. If you do bring Steven Nelson back. Give me uh, the guard from uh, Washington, Troy do you, Fatuno. Do you know how... I think I've said how, his name 20 How much ways. more interesting it would have gotten if we had gone one more pick down yeah, the draft? I, I did notice that. That would have been a phenomenal discussion because Keon, Keon Coleman. Coleman from Florida State is a really, really good wide receiver. Well, and then you could go corner, Coleman. wide receiver, or offensive line. You go Coleman or Kool-Aid. Let's assume you don't bring Steven Nelson back. Kool-Aid or Keon Coleman? I think the the level of importance would still be Kool-Aid first and then Keon Coleman because I think we already talked about you got two pretty damn good wide receivers, but you need uh, the Stevie Nelson factor is the biggest factor of all because if he's not coming back, then your first area that you have to address is finding another corner, and that's why I would go with Kool-Aid. If you're bringing Stevie Nelson back, I would probably look at Keon Coleman and go, boy, you just got to steal at that level of the yeah. draft. See, I probably I, I lean Kool-Aid, too, if, if Nelson's gone. I still lean the guard, even if you re-sign Nelson. I kind of have faith in Nick Casario finding a mid-round receiver. Look at your Look at your best two receivers right now. Nico Collins, who had an unbelievable year, 80 catches, the over 1,000 yards by a mile, eight touchdowns. And Tang Dell, who before the injury, you could make a case, was the top two, top three rookie receiver in the NFL. Sure. So I'm okay leaving the first round without a receiver because I have faith in, like, you know, 
Kill me here if you if you disagree. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I have faith in Nick Casario finding a receiver in the second or third round that could fit into the trio of Nico Collins and Tank Dell. Yeah, I um, look. I, I I just think that it depends on what level of talent you're getting. I think when you look at what he what he brought to the table for Florida State, when you look at what people are looking at him do, and he if he slides, I don't expect I like him to Coleman. be. But if he slides to that level, uh, I, there's a, I think. If you're looking wide receiver, because I think we're both in agreement that Kool-Aid is the answer for the long-term and the short-term, especially if Stevie Nelson wants too much money. But if you're looking for, you know, a receiver, as much as you're right, you can trust, you know, Nick because Nico finally turned out from the time that he got him in the third round, but Nico's finally turned and panned out. But I I just love the value that if you get him that late in the the first round and he's sitting there for you and you add him to Tank and you add him to Nico, Mm -hmm. wow, my goodness, for the future, you're pretty set up. I get it, but would you rather have a starting corner in Kool-Aid and then Casario trying to find a third-round receiver where he's proven to be pretty good at, or do you go Keon Coleman and he's trying to find a third-round corner? I was going to say, can I flip the script and say the same way he's good at evaluating talent – could he still find a, a, a really good corner yeah. in the second or third well, round the, instead, too? The, he hasn't proven that. He hasn't proven to do that where he's proven receiver. So that's where my hang-up's at. I mean, you could be right. You could be right. Maybe he can find that talent, but he hadn't proven to do Now, he hadn't. I don't think he's taken a corner in the middle rounds, mm-hmm. so we really don't have a sample there. But he has shown me he can find the receiver, hadn't shown me with that corner. 713-780-ESPN-HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. This guy, I'm a little concerned that Tank Dell is not going to be at the same level as he was before the injury. A fibula is not bad. I've broken my fibula, and look at me. I mean, <laughs> if I don't ooze athleticism, who? does no but a fibula is not bad man. it's not like it's acls a, and achilles and it's a non-weight-bearing yeah, bone yeah. like a fibula is a non-weight-bearing bone you can walk on a broken fibula now they don't they can, you know, advise you to but it's a non-weight-bearing bone it, it, it requires a brunt force crack so it's not going to affect him don't worry about that uh 2906 my issue is Kenyon green uh, do you think he's a bust uh, two years if we're drawing if we're closing the book after two years how can you say that he's not right now but he's you know, he still got time to fix it he's still got time to fix it all right 713-780-ESPN Joe George usually make faces on Wednesday but Joe take, took off the whole week of work after working on Monday do not know why but instead it'll be Brian McDonald making faces today it's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5 ESPN 97.5.com Iocane powder go in against the Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> Anyone can have a hot take on sports. You going to continue to be a bunch of soft, underperforming, tattooed millionaires? But that's not what these guys are about. Joel and Jeremy are real, actual human beings, guys that have lives, families, and feelings and stuff. So it's WTF Wednesday. WTF, why the face? Where these guys let you in on their non-sports interests, goals, and dare I say it, dreams. But more than likely, they're going with all of the WTF moments of the past week. It's WTF Wednesday. Why the face? With the Killer Bees. All right, we make, uh, well, we don't make faces on Wednesday. We never do that. We always leave it to uh, the producer, who's always the talented of the uh, trio, for sure. Unless it's Joe. Uh, (laughs) Joe's going to catch trays all week. Uh, Brian McDonald makes faces today. Why are you making faces today, b Well, the first reason I'm making faces today, I'm just going to go out on a limb and assume you guys have definitely heard of the beef between Ben Simmons and the rapper Cameron. I have not. Okay, so... I'm not sure, like, the full reason they have a beef. I think it's just because Ben Simmons doesn't play, and he's a New York fan, and so that's kind of the... I'm sure that's where the beef started and escalated in uh, very mature ways after that. But regardless, (laughs) uh, 
Cameron was at a game recently on January 19th where the Nets were playing the Lakers. Of course, Ben Simmons is a playing, and they have this back-and-forth beef. He's claiming on his show, he's got a podcast with the rapper Mace called It Is What It Is, and he claims on the podcast that he almost started to a fight with Ben Simmons, which when you read the text of his, his retelling of the story, it sounds completely made up and fabricated, just classic fake tough guy sort of stuff. But what makes this a What the Face Wednesday is who Cameron decided to bring to his defense in this next clip you're about to hear. None other than O.J. Simpson. Come on, Down Brian. San Francisco Pearl Hill Projects. Oh. I spent some time in oh. some other projects. Nope. <laughs> I spent some time in some other kind of projects, too. <laughs> Yo, oh, let me tell you something about I that real quick. I can tell you this. Guy. You ain't never heard nobody with me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, how me and you get in the beef? I ain't even, I'm not beefing with you. How me and you get in the beef? I'm going to help you with Ben. There we go. That's my man. So in case you didn't catch it, that was OJ Simpson saying he was going to F somebody up, which I don't know if you're hosting this podcast. I know it's not, they're not beholding to FCC regulations. And oh, I'm they sure OJ, certainly weren't. No. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure, you know, putting OJ Simpson, actually, I, I, I know, I know more than just, I'm sure that I know it as fact. Their numbers go up when OJ Simpson's on the show. So I can understand from that standpoint why they put him on the show but it's 2024 you're putting oj on the show to talk about beating people up i i don't like that uh, considering what we all know to be oj's past i don't like him going on to talking about he's going to f people up um, uh, he obviously realizes that he sh- he's not going anywhere with the rest of his life from any kind of like broadcast perspective other than this i hope he's getting paid for this because that's just the i mean how Totally bad of a look, embarrassing, ridiculous. Like, I listened to it, and I listened to the entirety of it, and I'm going, what the hell is he doing? I think he's living the gimmick. I think he's living the gimmick of being the tough guy that kills his wife. <laughs> I mean, I would I would have him on the show. Would you have him on the show? Oh, it would be entertaining to have him on the show to ask questions to see how he would answer. What would be your one question you have to OJ? I mean, what? I'm putting you on the spot. One question's all you get. I'm putting you on the spot, but what would it be? Man. Uh, I know what mine would be. What is it? When did you start kill- stop? When did you stop killing your wives? <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of what, what was the first time you felt like you got away with something? Yeah. That's a good one. I'd ask him how his search for the real killer is going because he's on the search for the real killer. <laughs> Probably not well. No. I don't when think did you learn? How, how, did you ever have practice keeping a straight face? He was good at that. Woo! Was he good at that? How do but you feel here, about lie I, detector tests? Can I just add something to this uh, aside from that the stupidity of all that? I was watching that game last night a little bit, the Nets and the Knicks, and I looked over on the bench and I'm like, wait. Who's that not playing for the Nets in pajamas? And then I looked over and realized it was Ben Simmons, who's still collecting a check, still not playing, and still, I don't know what the excuse is now, somehow getting a pass from so many people, including not, the Nets organization. Well, not Cameron, as we clearly oh, right. heard. He's going to have OJ up him up. For the rest of the NBA, for God's sake, what, what, is, what is the reason now that you're not playing and collecting millions and millions of dollars? Because you're a joke. <laughs> the, uh... I saw Rafael Stone uh, talked about a Ben Thompson's game, and, and he made the comparison. 
made the comparison to Ben Simmons. Yeah, he did. We've said yeah. that. I, I think that I think it's a fair comparison. I think they have a very similar skill set. Because of the lack frame. of a jump shot, right? Yeah. And then their Is skills. Is jump shot Ben skills. Simmons bad? Uh, you just, I mean, no, I said that mechanically it's not, but results-wise it is. But, I mean, just a, a defensive-minded point guard that's long. Good passer. A really good passer. Sees they the floor get well. to the yep. basket. I think they have a lot of similar skill sets. Uh, Amin's not a good three-point shooter. Nope. Like he's, not a really good he's shooter, shooting, He's shooting 13.3% from three this year. It's not ideal. 13.3%. Not ideal. Not great. All right, but I don't else? think he's terrified to shoot one or a layup. Yeah. I don't think he's terrified to shoot. He's Let's not terrified to shoot a layup. He doesn't take many threes, though. He doesn't take many threes. Why else are you making faces, Brian? I'm making faces also because of uh, Joel's former uh, hometown team, the Milwaukee Bucks, firing their coach after 43 games in which the Bucks, in those 43 games, were 30-13, and 13, and especially coming off firing, uh, firing their previous coach, Mike uh, Budenholzer, who in five seasons had a 600 winning percentage in the playoffs, won a title, and only had one season under 50 wins. And, oh, by the way, that one season under 50 wins, it was a 72-game season because of uh, – it was 2020-2021 because of the COVID shortage there. So uh, in the comments we're about to hear, we're going to hear J.J. Reddick on his podcast talking about, you know, the choice of you, you fire your coach to go to Doc Rivers? No, I don't think Doc Rivers is the coach that would get this team to a championship. I don't think that. Maybe, based on perimeter personnel, all that thing, defensively, they're they're not going to get there this year. Maybe they add someone at the deadline. Maybe they add someone in buyout, which historically has not worked. Maybe they get there. I don't know. I don't know. It's just crazy. (laughs) Now, he played for Doc. I, I mean, like, I'm, I'm backing up JJ here. It is effing crazy. You fire, you fire uh, Budenholzer last year. You fire this guy 43 games in the season to hire Doc Rivers, who has a 500 winning percentage with the Clippers and the Sixers in the playoffs, and who hasn't been to the finals since the iPhone 4. I mean, that's the guy <laughs> you're bringing in to get the Bucks back to the championship? Wanna, I, don't, I don't buy it. You want to go first? No, you go ahead. Because I got a lot. Okay. I'll, uh, you know, you know what got, you know what that started all this? Griffin and the, uh, and the Bucks. Terry Stotts. Well, it was during the end season. Uh, oh, you're going to go there. It started it was the NIT. That. He said, you have to have a little bit of heart. You got to make some sacrifices because we're trying to win the NIT. It goes to show you stakes matter in the NBA. The NIT is getting people and coaches fired around the NBA. All right, I'm okay. done. I'm done. This started with Terry Stotts. <laughs> this started, th- th- there's, there's two separate conversations. If you want to talk about the, the, the absolute, there was an absolute need to change coaches. Is Doc Rivers the right coach? That's a legitimate second conversation. But if you want to talk about the fact that they got the wrong guy right from the start, they got him before they got Dame Lillard. When they got Dame Lillard, the first thing that the Bucks did was they had brought in Terry Stotts to be an assistant coach. He didn't like Terry Stotts. Terry Stotts was talking to Giannis and Dame one day. He got offended by it, did Adrian Griffin. He called him out in front of the team. Terry Stotts quit the next day. Dame Lillard ain't happy. Okay, so then he starts taking Giannis out of games when Giannis doesn't want to come out. He starts having a problem with Giannis. Giannis has real issues with him. They call a team meeting two months into the season, and they say the system's not working. We're not defending like we used to. We got to make changes. This from a defensive-minded head coach. And suddenly they're like, okay, what do we do? He's on a contract. What can we do? Well, we just got to keep going with it. Then he pissed Portis off because the same way he was doing with Giannis, he started screwing with his minutes and screwing with his time. They get into it on the floor. And, oh, by the way, they went from a top-five defensive team to the bottom-seven defensive team in the league. The move had to be made because it's not just for this year. You want to make sure Giannis stays. You want to make sure Dame stays. 
and damn straight, they don't. Neither one of those guys is in his corner, and it seemed like the rest of the team was gone too. Was Doc the right answer? That's a different conversation. Did they have to make a move? Absolutely. Are you saying it's just what the doctor ordered? Maybe, but not Doc Rivers. <laughs> Doesn't it feel like a little bit like LeBron and David Blatt from back there's, in 2016? There's been a lot of people making that comparison. It's absolutely because Giannis, fair. Giannis, he he signed off on this coaching hire when they made it, and now you're 30 and 13, and you have a few disagreements, and you get them kicked out. It just feels like coming off of firing a very successful coach right before this guy. You fired another one. Yeah. Didn't they nix game. Nurse, but too? Guys, Didn't they it, have an opportunity at Nurse, and uh, Giannis was like, nah. I don't know about that one. I heard I heard that that was, well, I, I saw rumors. It, I don't feel, know it feels like it sets a bad precedent that you're having your star players run out back-to-back coaches who are, they're not you know, paying, by their record, doing well. Nick Casario somewhere is smiling because they're now paying three head coaches at the very all at the very same time because they're still paying Budenholzer. <laughs> they're going to pay Adrian, Adrian Griffin, who had a four-year deal, and now they're going to pay Doc Rivers. Who's not going to be cheap to get him out of the no. TV, TV no. off, off of TV. Yeah, so they are, they're paying three coaches right now, but... If you want to appease your superstars, this is what you have to do. Yeah. Bryce is doing business in the but, and NBA, by the way, unfortunately. John Horst, their general manager, should be facing the heat, too. Because it was one thing to make the trade for Dame, but he thought he was sending Drew Holiday to the West. Drew Holiday to the Celtics made the Celtics way better than the Bucks. All right. That's why Brian makes faces today. 713-780-ESPN. Which of the remaining four teams in the playoffs? You're looking at the Ravens and the Chiefs in the AFC. You're looking at the Lions and the 49ers in the NFC. Which of those four remaining teams in the playoffs should the Texans most try to emulate? What path, whose path to getting the Final Four is most similar to the Texans' current track? 713-780-3776. Killer Beast, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Mike Holly, U of H class of 1990, go Cougs. He's been protecting the interests of businesses for nearly 25 years, almost three decades now. Uh, used to protect a Heisman Trophy winner, now he's protecting your business. How about that? HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, and payroll. HRP will also work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRP. You need a little help, a lot of help, anything in between. HRP will create a plan for what you and your business needs. Also, their customer service, second to none. No one's better at the customer service game like HRP. You'll never talk to a stranger on the other side of the line. You'll be calling someone that's familiar with you. They're familiar with your company. I can speak to that customer service. We use HRP here at Gal Media, no surprise. Anytime I have a question, always get a quick response. Very easy to understand. I'm thankful for having HRP. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources and eliminate your HR burden so you can get back to growing your business or playing golf. Give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let HRP customize a plan for you. 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Pirate Radio with a license. No woman ever slept with me and live. Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. These Blankers, I'm Branham. We are the Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Four teams remain. It's the final four. I don't think you're allowed to say that uh, legally about any other sport than college basketball. AFC Championship, Ravens Chief, Baltimore the home team. Mark Andrews, uh, full participant. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, looked like he's going to play. I think the Ravens might have been... Uh, 
Might have been coasting against the Texans a little bit. Uh, Lions and 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Cannot wait for those games on Sunday. We'll try to try to make it a little bit of a, a local look at this. Which of the remaining four teams in the playoffs do you think the Texans should try to emulate? And I think that like personnel matters here. I think coaching matters here a little bit as well. Uh, what would you say? Which of the four remaining teams should the Texans most try to emulate? I mean, to me, it's San Francisco. It's San Francisco because you draft very, very well. Uh, and you get maximum return uh, and productivity from the guys that you draft. You also aren't afraid to make moves to get big players like McCaffrey. Um, if you if you have a surplus of guys like all the guys they had on the defensive line, you trade to get other picks. Um, you develop like Fred Warner. But I think it's the ultimate sign of a great organization from the general manager to the coach to the and the the, the system that Shanahan brings to the table. And then the utilization of the draft, but also not being afraid to go make the splashy move when you want to get over the hump and getting McCaffrey. So I think, to me, it's San Francisco top to bottom. It's system, it's coach, it's general manager, it's draft, it's it's being able to make the splash trade that pushes you, know, pushes you to maybe another level. Um, and the fact that they have, they, they've handled most everything with class along the way, it, to me, it seems to be a pretty easy, easy discussion. See... My hangup was San Francisco and like the uh, the Twitch right now. Total Arlington said that's easy. San Fran, Virginia says Ravens, Ravens, Ravens. A few people waiting on the text line as well. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six four one zero two. The obvious answer is the Niners because of D'Amico's connection. But I'd say the Texans are closely related to the Chiefs right now. Excellent quarterback play who ele- elevates the pass catchers around him and a defense that can keep you in the game. Um, I think that's a actually I think that's a misnomer on Kansas City. Kansas City is the year second. Had the defense. They're the second best defense in the NFL. First time that he's really had a defense that he could. That no he doubt. Could, yeah. No doubt. But like, oh, Kansas City stinks. Their offense isn't nearly as good. Their receivers are awful. Well, they're a different team. Like they kind of rely on the second best defense in the NFL, and they still won the division, still won eleven games, and here they are in the AFC Championship. Um, the my hangup with San Francisco is like. There's a lot of similarities there, but I can also name a lot of differences. D'Amico, defensive-minded, Shanahan, offensive-minded. Quarterback, Brock Purdy's like, okay, game manager, not a star. Right. C.J. Stroud, superstar potential. Uh, running game, San Francisco just grounds and pounds you, and they have arguably, and I would say, the best running back in the game. Uh, the Texans struggled to do that. They aspired to do that, but they struggled to do that, and they have Devin Singletary, like who they just signed in free agency for under $4 million on a one-year deal. Do you consider Debo to be a running back or a wide receiver? Receiver. Both. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's a mainly hybrid a wide player, receiver, but, yeah. but the fact that you can throw him in the backfield, too, means they might have the best one-two punch in the league. Yeah, I mean, you can do a lot of, like, he's a He's a Swiss Army knife and, and maybe not playing on Sunday. Right. But um, he, he's definitely a receiver first and foremost. But, yeah, he has the capability of running the football. Uh, and then defensively, like San Francisco is pretty far ahead of where the Texans are. So I think like from a philosophical standpoint, they would like to get where San Francisco is at. But it's hard to do that when you have a defensive coach and an offensive coach in San Francisco. Uh, you look at the Lions, like I could see where the Texans can kind of mirror the Lions in terms of their plight as an NFL organization. Like, they were both at rock bottom. They both took some years to get back to NFL relevancy, and in this case, the playoffs. But 
like there, you can also look at the head coaches, kind of leader type mentalities. Like D'Amico certainly calls defensive plays. Campbell does not, but leaders and like some of the best leaders in, in the game. But I look at the rosters and they're completely different uh, because you have Jared Goff, who's I think an underrated quarterback, but doesn't have that star quarterback like thing. Kansas City, offensive minded head coach. I think the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game from a talent point of view certainly doesn't have Brady's resume. I'm not saying that he has Brady's resume. I just think he's the most talented quarterback that we've ever seen. Uh, I'm not quite ready to put Stroud in that company. Also think that the Texans are better offensively than they are defensively, and Kansas City this year is kind of the opposite. Mm -hmm. They're better defensively than they are offensively. I'm going to go Ravens here because you have a quarterback who's really, really good. I mean, Lamar, CJ's not in Lamar's class. Lamar's won two MVPs. Lamar certainly had the head-to-head in the playoffs. But a star quarterback that's quite clearly your best player and that you're going to build around. Like the Ravens built around Lamar, they hired coaches with Lamar in mind. I believe the Texans are going to do that same thing with CJ Stroud. Harbaugh and D'Amico aren't like for like similarities, but Harbaugh's more because he is a leader right. than anything he does on the offensive and defensive too. side of the ball. He's a special teams coach, whereas D'Amico is certainly a defensive-minded coach. Baltimore's leaps and bounds better defensively than where the Texans were, but D'Amico being a, or are, but D'Amico being a defensive-minded head coach, I think aspires to be what Baltimore was. And in fact, some of the quotes he said afterwards, we need to be better in the front four, kind of like Baltimore is. So I'm going to go kind of curveball here and go with Baltimore. See, the thing to me, because not every situation is going to be mirror image, right? So, like, you're right. With San Francisco, quarterback yeah. is way different. But you still – but a lot of the things I brought up in terms of the development of the guys you took later in the draft to the ways that you were able to make the, the – you know, go and go out on a limb a little bit and take a chance on a trade or two. The Trey Lance trade didn't work out, and yet they were able to recover because they're so good as an organization. The Baltimore thing, Baltimore thing worries, was worrisome to me because they also were willing to go get some veterans to add to the team that they had. But they kind of switched gears – from Greg Roman, who was hyper-focused on run and never really gave Lamar a lot of weapons around him in the pass game, and then all of a sudden switched up again, yet their track record is they could be the one seed and get bounced. Now, this year it looks like they could be the one seed and they got a legit chance to win it all. But overall, from Ozzie Newsom to passing the torch to the way that they've drafted and the way they've made moves too, I'm not upset with any of that either because you can have whatever your head coach's strength of strength is right whether it be a leader of men or offense or defense the bottom line is you have longevity because you 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 keep a locker room and you can really focus and engage your players and I think that all the coaches that you see remaining have the ability to do that in different ways Baltimore to me is just the, the overall success you know and, and still trying to chase the title but San Francisco's been there done that they got there they're trying to do it a different way now with a game manager and a McCaffrey instead of you know, the Kaepernick's or the ways that they've done it previously. The fact is, is that I, you, it's tough to go wrong with, yeah. with, with any of these. See, teams. I think you're right in the sense that I think you can, um, you can kind of pick and choose certain things from each team. Like the Niners, you kind of have what you want. The offensive scheme, you want to be similar, even though you have different, you know, defensive coach, head, offensive coach. Detroit, I think you can pull leader, head coach, and then also the plight of the organization. Mm-hmm. You're a lousy. Now you're pretty good, and you have a chance, right? You have a puncher's chance. Uh, Kansas City might be the one that is the furthest for me because Andy Reid, one of the greatest offensive minds in say, NFL history. Shanahan may get there, but he is the greatest offensive mind that we have seen in the NFL. I th- Yeah, I, I, I would say he is the greatest mm-hmm. offensive mind. I have no problem saying Shanahan that. Shanahan may try to aspire to get there someday, but, but it is Andy Reid. to go, though. Like, 
Shanahan, he does. Shanahan has like the cachet. Shanahan doesn't have nearly the winning. Mm-mm. Nearly the winning. I think the Chiefs are the four the furthest away, though. Because, yeah, you have superstar quarterback, but Mahomes is on a different level to me. And Kansas City's defense is also really, really good. Plus, how they play, I think, are totally different than how the Texans want to play. And then the Ravens, you can kind of, well, they're building around Lamar. Like You're going to build around CJ, leadership head coaches. So you can kind of pick and choose from all four. 2906, I say Lions. People laughed at their draft. Now they're NFC championship. They can run the ball. They had a great draft with, uh, with Gibbs and Laporta. You know, Texans could have had that. Not going to say how they could have had it. They could have had that. Uh, six eight five. Actually, it's key from L.A. Uh, the Texans is more like the Lions. So there's another one from a, a Lions vote. And then five one five seven. In fact, uh, the Lions are the most popular with the textures. Texans most resemble the Lions coming from their cellar to where they are now, and the talent across the board matches up pretty but well. But you look at the Lions and say they had never sniffed it, right? They 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 just they. It's been so long since they even were in the playoffs or won a playoff game. The Texans had success. They've had success. But now it's trying to take it to that ultimate level. The fact is is that they didn't need an offensive or a defensive-minded head coach. They needed a toughness coach that also had had a no-nonsense approach to winning. And then he put the right guys in place. He trusted Aaron Glenn with his defense. He trusted Ben Johnson with his offense and said, I'm not going to get in your way, but we all have to be on the same page from the standpoint of, toughness, the type of player, and the way we're going to play from that aspect and the way we're going to build culture in the locker room. I think Harbaugh has a lot of those factors as well coming from a special teams perspective. You're right. The furthest away without question when you have the genius of Andy Reid and maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, it's tough to say that you can do anything that's going to compare to that and be fair. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Which of, of the four teams remaining do you think is the uh, the most similar to the Texans and the one that they should try to emulate the most? Also, Jim Cray. He, he just made the the signing on Hater right. The uh, ninety five million five year deal uh, to add one of the best, if not the best, left handed relief arms in all of Major League Baseball to the stable in the bullpen. But has Jim Crane created a precedence that the fan base will expect him to maintain? It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, Twin Flames. None of it matters because you're a Twin Flame and this is your union. 